It's Canuck Central. We come to you live from the Kintec studio here at the corner of Walk and Don't Walk. A lot of nice. Yep. It's, uh, it's the Canuck season. So we had something planned. We're going to talk about some of the big moves made around the Pacific Division. And uh, we still may do that. Rob Simpson is going to join us, Vancouver Hockey Now, later on this hour. But uh, currently at eight rinks, Canucks are uh, doing their informal sort of workouts and whatever else is happening, doing some drills. It's now two groups. JT Miller has arrived. Connor Garland has arrived. Brock Besser has arrived. And so is the captain, mm-hmm. Bo Horvath. Bo Horvat has arrived, and he has met with the media, and as you would expect, Bo Horvat has reiterated his, his desire to remain a Vancouver Canuck. Doesn't think he's going anywhere. Um, wouldn't say if they're going to you know, stop talking at any mm-hmm. point or whatever, and we can play some clips coming up in a bit. But basically what, what Bo Horvat said was um, he was optimistic at one point a deal would get done earlier this summer, which is something we talked about and heard as well. That hasn't yet happened. But he wants to remain a Canuck, expects he will remain a Canuck, and is leaving it to the agent and the Canucks management team to figure it out. Uh, we're trying to turn that audio around uh, as soon as we possibly can for you. Listening uh, live on Sports at 650 and uh, even on podcasts uh, via your favorite podcatcher. But w- when we think about the Miller negotiations, it was always, hey, the Cadre deal is probably going to help the Canucks get closer to a solution with JT, one way or the other. It'll right? help set the market. It'll, it'll set the market, and, and you know, Kadri signs not that long later. JT Miller signs his contract with the Vancouver Canucks. Would it be fair to say that, because Bo mentions as well that there was optimism earlier in the summer, and now it's taking longer than maybe they expected. Is it? Do you think it's fair to say that the other contracts signed this summer may have hurt negotiations with Bo Horvat? I'd say they complicated negotiations, right? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a better word. Better word. I mean, because I think what's becoming clear is when the market shifts, and we saw it with a lot of uh, contracts being handed out to players, and even a Tage Thompson one. You can forget about the Tage, uh, Tage uh, Thompson one. You can look at even some of the ones given to guys in a similar age. I mean, look at the contract that um, Vinny Trocek got, yep. which Vinny Trocek, you know, you can make the case Bo's a better player than Vinny Trocek. And Bo Vinny hasn't Tro- had an 84-point season, though. That's true. He hasn't. <laughs> but I would say Vinny... I mean, you can make the case. But yeah. My point being, if you want to make the case that Bo's a better player than Vinny Trocek, then your case is you should get more than 40-some million. And if that's the case, and the Canucks were looking at it a bit less, I think, I think the market for Bo has shifted. You know, if there was a thought that they could get him signed to arbitrary number 6.5 million i think that reality has now changed mm-hmm. it's no longer 6.5 million unless you go eight years or whatever and i think because that's the case i don't think it means the connection will not sign him i just think that they may haggle a bit more than they did on jt to get that one done i don't think they want to go to the market level on bow they were willing to do that with jt so i think that's what's dragging this out and ultimately what could drag this out is the difference of Two or three million over the course of the money, and right. I, I don't think they're. My guess, not reporting this, my guess isn't that they're you know far off by fifteen, twenty million or whatever. I don't think it's that huge of a gap. So it just comes down to: Do you want to move, or do you want to drive a hard bargain for now? And I think they're going to take your time the next few weeks. 
it's uh, it, it is an interesting negotiation on that front. You know, Bo had a tremendous finish to the season before going down with the injury. Finishes with a career high in goals, scored some big goals. We know that Bo. You know, there's there's a thought that Bo and on the limited playoff tracker track record we have of watching Bo Horvat, he is able to elevate his game in big moments and really maximize what he is as a player in those big games. We saw that in the series against St. Louis in the series against Vegas. He is a major part of this team, but what is your ceiling? What is the number you are willing to go to is ultimately how far this conversation goes. Here is Bo Horvat speaking to media uh, for the first time since arriving back in Vancouver ahead of the new season. Yeah, no, it was an awesome summer. Um, no, I definitely feel uh, ready to go um, in as good a shape as it's going to get. And, um, you know, uh, obviously I had a lot of fun um, with the family this summer, but I'm really anxious to get things started again here this year. Your thoughts on the group that's returning here? A lot of the same pieces that were here for the stretch run last year. Yeah, no, I, I'm really excited about this year, obviously. Um, a lot of key pieces. You know, getting Millsy signed was, was obviously huge for our group. It, obviously a, a heck of a player, a good leader in our room. And and, uh, and I was, it was great to see him get that done. So I, was, I couldn't be happier for him. And obviously the pieces that we added um, to make this group that, that much better, I'm, I'm excited for it and I'm excited to get camp started. Was our summer any different than normal just having to – Proved to yourself that the leg was fine. Like when we last saw you, obviously you were in yeah. a boot. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't too much different. Uh, I just knew it had to take its time to heal. Um, but uh, for myself, as soon as it was healed, I was trying to get skating again and, and get back on the ice as early as possible. I think, you know, for me, um, you know, that's what I get better um, on the ice. I, I find when I'm on the ice a lot more. And um, yeah, as soon as I, I was able to and got the the go ahead from the docks, I started skating and been on the ice ever since. So. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. Any uh, thoughts on going into the final year video without a new extension? Um. You know, obviously it's uh, you know, it's it's a lengthy process, and you know, I'm kind of leaving that up to to my agency and, and Pat Morris, and and uh, you know, just keeping it private, and you know, just. Uh, you know, obviously, I want to be a Vancouver Canuck, and, and I want to stay here, and I love our group. And my wife and I love the city. Um, you know, it's it's kind of if, if, if I wanted to play for one team for my whole career, it would be the Vancouver Canucks. So, um, obviously, it's a, a long process, and, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Are you surprised at all if someone had said at the end of last season that you'll be back for pre-prospects tournament and you still won't have a deal? Um, you know, I, it, it is what it is. Again, it's just, you know, I, these things take time, and sometimes uh, you know, they take longer than others. And, you know, for me, um, just focusing on, you know, my, uh, you know, myself being ready for camp, being the best leader I can on and off the ice, and, and uh, you know, the chips will fall where they fall. Um, you know, uh, again, I'm excited for camp. I'm excited about our group, so can't wait to start. So you're not hiding a new contract in your back? No, 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 no. It's, uh, you know, it's still like I said, it's it's ongoing, and and um, you know, for me, it, it's not my job to kind of to worry about it right now. I, uh, I'm back with the guys. I'm excited to be back, and um, you know, I'm excited to get things going. Like it was, it was awesome being out there in the skate today and, and seeing the new guys and just laughing with the guys again and having fun. And um, 
now I can't wait for camp to start. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, you, you know how this you know how this market works, though, right? Like it's until it's done, it's going to be in question. Like, are, are you confident that you can shelve all this and just keep your head down and play? Yeah, no, I, I think you know. Again, like it's 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 not up to me. It's you know, it's obviously I'm definitely going to have say, but uh, I'm leaving. I have a lot of trust in Pat, um, my agent, and and uh, you know. I, again, like I've, I've expressed that for a long, long time. I want to be a Canuck, and, and I, I want to stay here. So um, for me, though, I, again, I, I can't let that, that kind of stuff bother me. I can't you know, always have it all, you know, hang over my head. For me, I, I have to put my head down and be the best leader I can. I'm, I'm a Vancouver Canuck right now. I'm going to be a Vancouver Canuck um, for this full year, and um, you know, I'm going to be the, gonna try to do whatever I can to help this team win, and uh, that's what my main focus is right now. Well, it, although... You know what this market is like. It's also been so different in terms of the speculation around you than perhaps it was for JT, even dating back ten months or so. Uh, does does that part of it? What, what do you can you take any sort of like a, a calming from the fact that you've been so consistent, the organization's been so consistent about seeing your future? Yeah, no, I, I definitely have confidence in that, and you know. Um, no, I, it, I obviously my career started here, and uh, you know, like I said before, my wife and I love the city. Uh, we love the people, we love the fans, the organization. So, um, you know, it, it, you know, you always have that in the back of your mind that you're you're going to be a Canuck for life. Um, again, you know, I, I want that to happen, and and um, you know, it's going to be. You know, we'll see what happens here, but you know, it, that, these these things do take time, and and um, hopefully we can get it done soon. Well, there was optimism earlier in the summer that a deal would be done or, or expedited. Was that optimism that you shared? Yeah, no, I yeah, I, I definitely wanted to, to get things done and and um, like I said, I, I do I wanna I wanna be a Canuck and and um, you know these things uh, like I said I keep I feel like I keep repeating myself but they t- you know, yeah, they they take time and um, you know we're gonna see what happens here. Well how different is this hockey team up front than the one that play for at the end of last season because there's been a lot of changes that we've seen. What do you see with what transpired? Yeah, uh, obviously, you know, adding the guys that we, we added, you know, Mikhaev and, and uh, Kuzmenko, like, these guys all have high-end skill and speed, and, and I like that we've added that speed up front, and obviously bringing Milsey back was, was obviously huge. He's a big part of our group offensively and uh, and defensively doing, you know, penalty killing, and, and obviously a great guy to have around the room. Milsey and I have a really good relationship and and are great friends off the ice. So to to have him here for locked in is uh, is huge for us. And um, you know, I, I'm really excited about this year. You've always prided yourself every off season to improve something. And I know you had to rehab this past summer. Did you do anything different? Um, no, I think uh, for me is just is continuing to work on my 200 foot game. I mean, one thing I always do is is I do do my power skating every single summer and. And uh, and kind of, you know, obviously keep up with the pace of the game. Um, but for me, a lot of it, maybe, uh, you know, my playmaking ability, just you know, kind of adding that part part to my game, being able to make plays in the offensive zone, and and uh, and being responsible in my defensive zone as well. So, uh, you know, adding that kind of part to my game, I think will will definitely help the team out. Did your injury impact the schedule of your offseason? Were you later getting back on the ice or later getting back in the gym? Or? Not necessarily. Maybe the gym um, a little bit. You know, it kind of impacted the beginning of it. Just you know, Usually I like to jump right into it, so I kind of had to ease into it this year. And 
Um, but for for skating, I usually start um, you know end of May, and that's kind of exactly when I started again this year. So um, that did impact it a little bit. Obviously, you felt it a little bit at the beginning, but I mean, I'm 100% ready to go and and looking forward to it. Alvin has mentioned a couple of times that he needs young players on this team to take a step, and I think that's all part of this discussion about culture. Sure, I know you're not young, but you're not old. But what what do you think you guys uh, among the young core? What what do you think you need to do more of or do better at? Yeah, um, I think uh, you know, like when I was a, a young guy, I had to take a next step too, and I think you know, I think everybody knows that. Um, for us, I think it's just being more consistent on a daily basis and and coming to the rink and and just having that confidence that you know you're gonna you're gonna win. And I think for us. Um, you know, in the past we haven't been as consistent, um, and I think to have that culture, that winning culture, that every night you know you're going to go in and everybody's going to give it everything they have to to um, you know to help the team win. And I think if everybody makes that next step where we have a winning attitude, and I think it's just going to translate on the ice. How hard is it to find that capacity though? Like that is the young, that's the thing the young players seem to need to find. Yeah, there actually is way more that you have to give than you ever realize. No, for sure, and I think uh, you know. You watch veteran teams and you watch guys that consistently make the playoffs every single year. They have that that swagger and they have that that attitude where every night they know they have a really good chance at winning and and kind of that winning mindset where you know you don't you don't take losing lightly and you you hate to lose and and you know you lose sleep over it at night and I think to to have that in our group to have that in our group in our room that. You know, winning is not or losing is not an option here, and um, no, I think that's going to take us to the next level. It also comes down to how you translate into all your prep and your workout. Too, no, for it? sure, yeah. I mean, every you know, you have to do what your the strength guys are asking you. You have to come in and, and put your work in every single day. You know, you, this is such a tight a tight league, and and to have that that next step on teams and other guys around the league, um, knowing that you're working that much harder than everybody else, I think again, it's going to translate. Talked about in the past, but the city showing you that. But was that something? Was there a moment in the last couple of years where you realized you could still go? You could still go. Yeah. No. I, again, you learn so much every single year that you're in the league, and you you watch different guys. Obviously, Hank and Danny were huge influences on me, and you know, it's just again that that winning attitude, that never never quit, and the uh, you know their work ethic to to be the best at in every single drill and every fitness test. I think. To have that mindset in every single guy in our room is going to be is going to be huge. Talking about that belief or that confidence in winning games every night, how important was the stretch run you guys had last year in that regard? Even though you didn't make the playoffs, the success you had under Bruce. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I think the way we we left things last year obviously was, this, you know, it, it still stung. You know, I'm not going to say, you know that it was a success last year because we didn't make the playoffs. So uh, to me, that's not good enough. It's obviously there was a lot of good things a uh, part of that run. Um, but again, you know, we, we can be better. I know we can. We can be more consistent, not rely on our goaltender as much, and um, and kind of take it to teams and, be in, and you know, being passed to play against. And um, I think we showed shades of that last year, but I think we can take another step this year. This group added wingers in the offseason, uh, you know, there's been talk in past years that you haven't necessarily had consistent line mates. Are you excited about the depth of winger, particularly on the roster this year? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we have. It feels like 
every single guy in that locker room can play in our, our top six or anywhere up and down the lineup. So it is exciting that the depth that we have and and um, you know I'm excited for that. You know, obviously kind of revolving door uh, for for wingers here in the, the last you know five or six years, but um, to have you know consistency through the lines and and uh, and have guys that you can you can throw anywhere is is definitely going to be huge for us. What are you expecting from Bo or from from Bruce in training camp in terms of how he says things? Yeah, I, I'm excited for it. I mean, obviously, um, I don't know. I only know greeners camps from right now, and they're definitely not easy. I, I'm not sure what to expect uh, from Bruce, but I, you know, I, I talked to him, and he obviously wants a high, com- high competitive camp that you know, you're going to have to earn your spot. And I think that's that's the way to approach it. That's the way to do it, and because uh, everybody's everybody's coming for your job, and everybody wants to to be on the team, wants to be a Vancouver Canuck. So um, I think to have that competitiveness in training camp and, and the work ethic, and and it's just going to ramp us up for the start of the season. I was a big baller too, no. Busy, yeah, <laughs> real busy. It changes things. I, I, I thought one was a lot, and two is a whole different animal. So, luckily, she's an angel, and her brother beats her up, and she just keeps on smiling. <laughs> so, it's, uh, yeah, he, uh, no, he, he's definitely a little jealous right now. But um, no, they're, they're, they've been great. Often, yeah. when a team misses the playoffs, there's a lot more turnover roster-wise than what we saw here. Instead, management's kind of doubled down. Mm-hmm. Obviously, believes in this group. How much pressure do you feel? to win, and, and especially at the start of the year, because you saw it was like trying to catch up last yeah. year. How much pressure is it? I, I mean, I think there is. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, I have a lot of belief in our group. I, I loved our group last year, and I just think that, you know, everything just didn't kind of go together, obviously, at the beginning of the year, and, and when it did, we could beat anybody. And, no, I think management saw that. We definitely saw that in the room, and it gave us confidence going forward every single night that we, we knew we had a chance to beat every single team in the league. So, to carry that confidence uh, coming into this year is going to be big, but you know we, we got to go out there and do it. You know it's it's enough to talk about it and, and say you're going to do it, but to go out there and actually do it, it's it's another thing. So we got to be ready to go. You said these things take time. Not to go back to it, one more time. Yeah. Sometimes they take a deadline. Sometimes they take a timeline. Do you consider putting one on it in terms of camp or whether it's done before or that point? No, I mean you know for uh, you know for me again. Right now, I'm just focusing on on playing. Um, you know, I'm going to leave that up to Pat and 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 Patrick and and Jim and stuff. So um, for me, I just want to be a, a great leader, um, a guy that's going to show up every single day and work hard and, and lead by example and um, and do whatever I can to help this team win. Right now, because right now I play for the Vancouver Canucks and that's the way I want to be. There is uh, Captain Bo Horvat uh, not setting a uh, timeline for contract negotiations. He has one year remaining on his deal before he hits unrestricted free agency. And it is now, with the Miller deal being done, the biggest storyline going into training cap set. Yes, it absolutely is. And um, until he signs the deal, that question is going to persist. We get it all the time. I mean, just us bringing up what Bo Horvath had to say, tons of text messages about how much they would pay him, how much they wouldn't pay him, yep. and all that sort of stuff. So it is going to be a massive topic of conversation. What's interesting, though, is you don't hear any negativity from anybody on either side. Yeah. Like, even with Bo, whether it's on the record, off the record, it's always like, hey, we had hope something gets done, but we're not too worried about it. You talk to the organization, we're not very close, but we're not too worried about it. There doesn't seem to be the same level of consternation around his situation. And even you heard 
um, JT talk about how the contract with Vancouver came together pretty quickly. And at one point, he didn't think it was going to happen, wasn't sure it was going to happen, even took him by surprise when they, you know, agreed to a contract just over just over a week ago now. So I think it kind of shows that there isn't as much uncertainty, which usually leads you to believe they'll figure something out. But it's just interesting how the discourse internally is so different around Bo versus how it is what it was around JT. And I can't shake the feeling of like they're placating everybody by saying everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine. And we'll see what that ultimately means. So the the discourse internally uh, meaning what specifically? Well, the the discourse internally um, about how important it is. So, okay, with JT... You got the sense that they were they kept saying it's going to be hard, it's going to be hard, it's going to be hard. Yeah, we're not sure we're going to do this. We're going to try, but it's going to be hard. There was this real, there was this um, this realization that it's going to be a really difficult thing to do, and ultimately they got it done and just upped the price a little bit and they figured it out. With Bo, they haven't. They've all they've communicated is we'll get something done. We'll get some something done. We're optimistic. Yet no ground has really been made in negotiations. Right. They're not really getting anywhere with it. So I wonder if that's part of the team expressing one thing publicly, but maybe not being quite as optimistic internally. Right. It's it is interesting. You know, he's the captain of the team, is a fantastic player, but they made JT Miller more of a priority. Um, that doesn't mean Bo isn't a priority, but there's only so many dollars to go around. Yeah, they know they want to upgrade their defense. It doesn't matter for this upcoming season. They're locked in. It's fine. But you know, you, you look beyond this year. You have to move out some other contracts to give Bo a significant kind of raise. Whether that's a million and a half that gets him to seven, or potentially, as the market is suggesting. A little bit more than that, even. Yeah, and we have a lot of people that are asking about this. This person says, "My feelings say fifty-two million over eight years for Bo is what happens." I don't see that happening. Uh, Dan from Van, same old, same old with Bo. May gotta go. What would you guys do if any any desire came true? Uh, I mean, I've, I've said for a while, if it was up to me, I'd make that trade and then take the return back and try to address your defense because I'm I don't want to be paying a contract worth you know forty-eight, forty-nine, fifty million in addition to the one that JT Miller got already. So that's what I would do. I'm not quite sure what the organization will do. Um, This one says, I think the bow contract is done and the group is just tight-lipped and they're not announcing it till camp. That's an unsigned text. I don't think that's the case. There is no benefit in waiting to camp. No. There is no benefit there's no the benefit in having Bo have to answer all those questions for 12 minutes when he shows up to training camp. Yeah, and... It's not like you're holding off on an announcement because you have a pending trade because you need to clear money. To your point, money's next year. Yeah. There's nothing you have to do to sign Bo Horvat. So I don't get the sense that they want, they're waiting to make an announcement. I think the organization would announce it as soon as the deal got done. Because one thing I've learned about this front office, Dan, they want to break news themselves. Mm-hmm. And if they feel like a deal's done, they're going to announce it. They're not going to sit on it and let that get scooped at some point. Same thing happened with JT. As soon as the deal was done, they got it out there right away. Like there was a quick turnaround from here's the contract, let's get it signed to here's the announcement. It happened really, really quickly. Same thing with the Besser thing. Same thing with other moves. When it happens, they're quick to throw it out there. I don't think they want to get scooped on anything if they can help it. It's uh, it's going to be a fascinating negotiation with Bo, and it's only going to get 
more play as we get closer to training camp. Rob Simpson, Vancouver Hockey Now, is going to join us in a moment. Yeah, and the only thing I will say is if you want to sign Bo, the time to do it is before the end of the season. I guess you could always look at it and say, hey, uh, he has a down year and that helps your situation. But given the Canucks power play, the role he has in the power play, um, I know Rager was texting in and, and saying um, he's going to make... Uh, oh, if, if Bo plays 82, he's locked in for 25-plus goals. Rager, you know, saying he might get 40. If he has a big year, it's only going to add to the money on top yeah. of what he could get paid. I mean, he's a guy, we talk about bounce-back candidates. He had a strong season. But if he has, like, a PDO run and scores a bunch of goals next season, centers that score 30-plus goals consistently get a lot of money. He's going to score... It- Assuming you know his role on the power play remains the same, and why would it change? He's going to score more than 10 goals on the power play and probably get back to being that 25, at least 25 goal scorer that he's been over the last number of years for the Vancouver Canucks. It's more about what else does Bo bring? And he talked a little bit about that in his media availability, and some other things about the team as well. We'll touch on those, plus Rob Simpson gives his take on the situation. That's next on Canucks Central. Yeah, it's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah here on Canucks Central. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You know it's hockey season when the Kintech reads come back. Yes, happy to be here. We love Kintech and uh, their support here on Canuck Central. It's um, it's kind of, uh, you know, we're doing this in the morning. We're going to be back uh, 4 to 6 tomorrow. We're a little bit all over the place uh, until the Canuck season gets up and underway in uh, exactly one month. But you know, things happen during the show, and now it's become... A Bo Horvat hour. Yes. <laughs> That's what's happened. I mean, you see the text inbox. I mean... And people are coming at us being like, you guys are being overly negative about this negotiation. And, hey, we're just talking it out. You got a bit of everything. I mean, yeah, there's one. You guys are making things up, stirring it up. It's like, we're, we're just talking about the differences in what the Canucks said publicly about yeah. the JT Miller situation, which did not match their actions. Mm-hmm. And what they said publicly about Bo Horvat, which has not yet matched their actions. It's notable to see the differences. Yes. That's all. What does that mean? That's that's a fact. I mean, yep. you have the record of what they've said, and you have the record of what they've done. Very different what they said about Bo, very different what they said about JT. Yet JT signed, Bo's not yet signed. Doesn't mean they don't sign him, but it's notable to, to understand that everything the management team is saying, not to say they're lying all the time, but that they're trying to get us off the scent more than we want to believe. And I think that goes for fans and media in general. Like, I think if they feel like something's close, I don't think they tell you. You know what I mean? So, so I think it's mm-hmm. notable to see what they talk about optimistically, what they don't talk about optimistically, what happens, what doesn't happen. And what does that mean when we listen to them and what we should take when they say things? You know? Because everybody has a l- amount of gamesmanship and they say things a certain way to help their situation. You know what I mean? I think this management team was very honest initially when they came in to kind of tell everybody, you know, what their plan was and, you know, what the mandate's going to be. And since then, they're probably going to be very careful with what they get out there. So, like we talked about a little bit at the the start of this hour, you know, uh, other contracts have been signed. And what it meant for JT Miller is that, you know, the Canucks' upper limit went from 
we probably don't want to give Miller more than what Quinn Hughes is making. We want to keep it somewhere, at least on a yearly average annual value, uh, in the sevens if we can. Other contracts get signed. It's pretty clear that's going to be very difficult for you to do yes. with JT Miller. They brought their ceiling up and get the deal done at $8 million per over seven years. Other contracts have been signed, and they've significantly increased Bo Horvat's negotiating stance uh, or ability to negotiate for a big number at around $50 million. And it feels like, given the rhetoric from either side, that hasn't helped negotiations to this point. If anything, it's complicated that. So... It's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out and if they view the start of the season as a bit of a deadline like they want to get it done or if they're comfortable playing into the season, mm-hmm. into the final season of Bo Horvat's career, uh, contract. Yes, I, I, and I think they're comfortable playing it out. You know, this is what we yeah. mentioned last week. I think they are comfortable in letting this play out a little bit and, and kind of seeing where it goes because the sense is with Bo, they will be able to handle it better as opposed with the JT stuff that was going on and it going super hot. But as far as speculation goes and discussions outside, well, that's going to be red hot until he signs a contract or he doesn't. Uh, let's bring in our next guest from uh, Vancouver Hockey Now. It is Rob Simpson covering the Vancouver Canucks. What's happening, Rob? Hello, fellas. Welcome back to hockey season. Yeah, silly season's still around, though, hey? Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Having uh, some fun. Yeah, what did you read from uh, from Bo Horvat's quotes today on how negotiate, negotiations are going with the team? Uh, same thing I generally always uh, kind of get from Bo Horvat conversations. He's he's pretty straightforward. He's not going to give a whole lot away. And um, he they he was asked kind of the same question four or five times, and you know kind of said the same thing over and over again. So and, and that's basically what Pat Morris had told us. We spoke with him briefly I think a week ago and he said you know it's a private matter I keep my the business affairs private and I'm, and I'm not really giving a whole lot away away here I, I mentioned something about the Canucks enthusiasm at the end of the regular season and you know he said well you know that's neither here nor there at this point we've got we have business to conduct and conversations have been ongoing um, I like your use of the word rhetoric because Something that jumps out at me is whether it's on purpose or by accident, Patrick Aldean, since he's been here as GM, he's usually intimated things, even if it's by accident. You can kind of read between the lines mm-hmm. often enough with him. He'll just say things. and You'll go, okay, I kind of get the picture here. But not the case here. In fact, he repeated himself twice during his press availability last week when discussing this. And again, Pat Morris was pretty quiet. So it's a little bit different. And you guys just talked about the money. Um, and I think it was a great compromise for the J.C. Miller deal, $8 million, if you look at both sides equally. Um, but to think that they're just going to slap six and a half at bow and said, hey, let's get Boogie in here. Uh, you know, we probably have another thing coming just because of the market that you brought up. But again, J.T. Miller had 47 more points than Bo Horvat. So they need to keep it real. Well, and, you know, the interesting thing, too, is – we were noting how the, the rhetoric has not matched the actions. I mean, we, the rhetoric around JT was, it's going to be tough to get a deal done. We're not quite sure. We have to be mindful of the future. And then, bam, a deal was done, you know, just over a week ago. With the bow thing, it's been always positive and, you know, there's going to get done and all this sort of stuff. Then it hasn't gotten done yet. And I think that's interesting with how the rhetoric and the actions haven't really matched up 
recently. Yeah, and I think Bo and Pat are probably holding out for a little more. Uh, you know, there, there's no rush. I mean, obviously, he's going to get tired of answering the questions, but I'm sure he'll put up with it for an extra 500 or a million bucks, right? So um, it, what's really kind of an interesting phenomenon is, and, I, and just researching, researching stories over the year, if you go through Hockey DB and look at guys in their contract years, how they outperform themselves on a consistent basis. It's almost hysterical in certain cases. But it's funny in the Miller and the Horvat situation, these are players that instead of at their actual free agency spot, it's a year out, and they're kind of having those years because when you're kind of an institution, you're kind of a fixture, and you know it's going to have to get done a year in advance. It's kind of funny. It's just a nifty little phenomenon how that same thing plays out only a year earlier. I think that just, I think it's just kind of an interesting thing to look at. Um, I, I think that this is going to take a little bit of time, and maybe Patrick Aldean will do what he did with Brock Besser, sign him on Canada Day. JT Miller, sign him on the Friday of Labor Day. Maybe he'll wait till the Friday of uh, Canadian Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just ruin another uh, long weekend for us, why don't you? Um, it, it has a tendency. Yeah, it's, uh, it is, you know, when it came to Miller, the speculation, the conversation around it, the trade rumors, the did he get traded at the draft, how close were they actually sort of, non-stop talk around Miller, whether it's from us here in the media or any Canucks fan anywhere over the course of the summer, it was the dominating storyline. It did feel like, you know, do they want to go into training camp with this hanging over their heads? Whereas with Bo, I don't know, it just feels more palatable to handle it with Bo than it would have with, with JT. Yep. Probably less intensity, less emotion. And as I mentioned, when you hear him talk, even post games, I mean, he's not getting super emotional very often. He's pretty even keel. Um, you know, JT would have been a little more of a, an, an adventure that way. Uh, I, I still think it gets done. I, I, I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think, again, he's just going to be answering the same questions over and over and over again and, until it, it does happen. And here's the other thing. Some, you, you, talk, you brought up the cap. Someone's going to go. Someone has to go. So, you know, do the math, and we, we can sit here on the radio and do the math, but that's not very entertaining. But you're looking, what, throw it out there, two and a half to five, depending on what the cap does and what else they end up doing, maybe minor moves here and there. Somebody's going to go. And whether it takes until the deadline for that to happen before those new contracts kick in, that's just fine and dandy, or maybe at the end of the season. But I think they'll probably be maneuvering a little bit prior to the deadline. I, I brought up the name. Tanner Pearson, uh, you could maybe just say Tanner Pearson or equivalent because he's in yeah. the three-plus three, three plus range. So it's, it's going to have to be somebody like that at some point. Well, and you know what I find, you know, to your point, I'm in complete agreement with you about how this upcoming season, they're not just committed to this roster and they're looking at it and saying, you know what, th- these are the guys we're betting on and no matter what, we're sticking with them and hopefully we're a playoff team. I think they're looking at this year, yes, they want to take a step, yes, they want to be a playoff team, but I think they're going to be completely wide open to trading anybody not as part of their core if a deal comes comes along. And I think they're kind of banking on, Rob, that some opportunities arise this season, whether it is because of injuries elsewhere, whether it's because you know players have struggled or some of their players regain value. I think their hope is that during this season, they'll be able to make some deals. Yeah, I believe in that the concept as well. Um, the Tucker Pullman thing is 
relatively fascinating as well because uh, you know if he, if he ends up not playing and uh, and I know there's been a lot of talk about uh, Quinton Hughes moving to the right side, which I think would be a probably beneficial to the roster whether Pullman's playing or not. To be quite honest, they'd be deeper. He might not even be the, one of the six. <laughs> Excuse me, I've been riding my bike for the last hour, so I'm a little parched. <laughs> Um, well, get good exercise, though. Yeah. Look at you yeah, working exactly. hard, getting to eight rings and back. I just pulled over on the side here to talk, <laughs> to, talk to you guys, but um, I, I just like the way it stacks out. If Quinn Hughes can move over, whether Pullman's in the lineup or not, I think it, it helps dramatically. And I did a little write-up at Vancouver Hockey now of the uh, of kind of the with and without Pullman situation, with in both cases with Quinn Hughes playing uh, the right side. And, and by the way, we have to... Uh, credit or discredit my cohorts at Pittsburgh hockey now, because that's obviously JT's hometown. And those guys were uh, the catalysts behind a lot of the rumors starting to be quite honest with you. I, I was doing due diligence with a lot of NHL GMs and, and others associated with the Canucks. Um, those guys were throwing, <laughs> they were throwing a lot of crazy stuff out there. And a couple of times I had to flag them. I was like, I was like, where did you come up with that sucker? And and JT kind of made reference. The reason I think JT said that, by the way, at his press availability is because he's in Pittsburgh and he saw a lot of that stuff coming out of his hometown. Yeah, the the the, the Pittsburgh Penguins crowd was ready to to acquire JT Miller for uh, for nothing essentially. But um, yeah, yeah. That, that, those conversations are um, are gone now. And you know, Quinn Hughes playing on the right side. I think it's more likely Quinn moves to the right or, or Oliver ekman Larson. I think Quinn will do it. I think Bruce Boudreau told me two days ago that Quinn's been practicing on the right side this summer. So he, he, he doesn't have a problem with it. And he has the skill set to handle the backhand pass, the backhand head man. Um, the difficult part, you know, it's, it's difficult to be a Brian Leach caliber guy at the blue line keeping pucks in, you know, along the boards when you're on your backhand. But, um, you know, if anybody's going to have the skill set to pull it off, Oliver ekman Larson uses his body to do it rather effectively, but I, you know, Quinn Hughes has the skill set to try it. But uh, Gabby said he's been skating on the right this summer. I think it works out well because as Jack Rathbone makes this roster, then you got another little water bug type guy, and you have Luke Chen down with him protecting him. You move Oliver ekman Larson up on the left side with Quinn Hughes. You got a pretty damn nice little decor because you get to drop one of the guys that you otherwise would use, kind of out of the lineup as the extra. So. I like the way it shakes down if Quinn Hughes is on the right. If he wants it, um, that's ultimately what it's really going to come down to. Yeah. Um, and then maybe a competition with Travis Dermott and a couple other guys. Well, you know what? The, the I'm with you about wanting to see Quinn on the right side, and I think it's the right play. If you're looking to move somebody, he's the guy to move to the right side. What, what that also does is potentially create an opportunity for Jack Rathbone to not only make this team, but also play you know, maybe a third-pair role uh, on this club. I guess the question is, do you have another lefty outside of Oliver ekman Larson who can play in a top-four position? And, you know, could you ask Dermot or um, or Rathbone to be able to do that this upcoming season? Yeah, I mean, it, uh, that, that just comes down to the effectiveness of Travis, Travis Dermot, his game, and him playing on that left side um, and where he slots into that situation. Maybe he's playing with Tyler Myers. I had it stacked OEL and Hughes. Dermott, Myers, Rathbone, and Shen with Burroughs as the extra. That's without Pullman, of course. Um, you know, Jack Rathbone, boy, he, as I phrased it in my piece, basically, you know, the door is open. It's time to walk through it, right? I mean, this is, this is the time. Uh, there's so many expectations. His, his 
past behavior, the year he had last year, he was a point-of-game defenseman in the American Hockey League. He really spurred that team to the uh, Calder Cup playoffs in Abbotsford last year when he came back from getting slammed by Colton Sevier in February. So I, I think it's time for him. And they have enough size otherwise to protect the two little guys because, as we've seen from Tampa, they're a couple of massive defensemen in Cernak and Hedman, and we saw it with three monsters in Colorado winning the Stanley Cup. You need to have the balance, not just right left, but you need the balance of size and water bucks because you can't you can't have one or the other. It has to be balanced. Hey Rob, really appreciate the time. Thanks for this today, gents. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Uh, there is uh, Rob Simpson, Vancouver Hockey Now, riding a bike in in the smoke. Yeah, it's got some courage. That's uh, not not totally advisable. <laughs> it was tough yesterday going outside. Uh, and over the course of the weekend. Yeah, I know, I know. And uh, so you ended up just staying home this whole weekend. Pretty much, pretty much. yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, not totally the entire weekend, mm-hmm. but uh, started beer league hockey last night. I am every bit the 35-year-old that I feel like yeah. I am. <laughs> yeah, it's not always easy. Um, no. What I learned about you this weekend is that you're the type of person who does not get a head start on their birthday. What do you mean? What I mean is, uh, today is Dan Riccio's birthday. Oh, no. I waited until the end of the show. Uh, Happy birthday, Mr. Dan Riccio. It's your birthday today. Uh, But you did not, you know, some people, when they have a birthday on like a Friday or a Thursday or a Monday, they'll do one of two things. Either you get ahead of your birthday or you do it belatedly. You decided not to get ahead of your birthday this weekend. No, no. It's it's bad luck to go to do things ahead of time. Is it? I I mean, I don't know. That's a superstition (laughs) I've always lived by. (laughs) If, you, if you're unable to, like, celebrate on your actual birthday, then you do it later on. Later on. It's a belated birthday. Yeah. So when's the party? Uh, I don't know. Maybe Saturday. <laughs> Maybe Saturday. <laughs> we'll, we'll find some place to, to have a couple pops. But plans tonight? You and, uh, you yeah, and the, lady. The, the wifey's taking me out for dinner. Ooh, you know, very we'll nice. See, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> see, romantic. Oh, this is way, way too romantic. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I'm pretty simple, you know, give me a, give me a couple nice cocktails, you know, some spros and a nice dinner. And that's, that's, that's a perfect birthday. That's pretty much it. Hey, especially Uh, now that we're old, like birthdays are very not fun when you're past like 25. Yeah. I don't don't really do birthday parties anymore. Um, (laughs) Devin says, happy birthday, Dan. Uh, Rager says, happy birthday, Reach. Your gift from Jamie Dodd is a week one loss in fantasy. Oh, man. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me, Rager. (laughs) Uh, Didn't didn't work out taking Christian McCaffrey first overall. No. No. Well, not not for the first week. (laughs) Uh, The Tom Brady uh, and, and Mike Evans hook up only... Could only do so much, so uh, we got some work to do on the waiver wire, maybe in uh, in the trade market. Reach has after to one week, uh, one week in, and I mean, I I don't get a single win from a fantasy team this weekend. No. All of my imaginary teams are bad, all bad, all bad, except the one that got auto drafted. That was the one that got me a win. Shows how much I know, right? <laughs> right. Uh, Jimmy says, "Happy birthday, Richio!" Well, thank you for all the uh, birthday wishes. Thank you for. Uh, for putting that out there publicly, um, <laughs> he didn't want me to, and I was trying to listen. I didn't want to get in, you know, get in the way of show content. And I'm like, yeah. all right, you know, Dan doesn't want that or whatever. So I'm like, okay. So Quinn Hughes playing the right side, hey? Yes. <laughs> Look at that deflection! Wow. <laughs> yeah, deflecting pucks better than Joe Pavelski right now. There Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, by the way, I did want to give a shout out to uh, producer Eddie. 
who is uh, the new play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Giants as well. Thank you. First game last night? I did, yes. How was that? It was good. Yeah. Unfortunately, Victoria won 3-2 in overtime, but good to get some reps in. Yeah. You know. Should be a big season. Yeah. They're excited. Yeah. It's always exciting. New season. New beginnings. I already had a welcome to the Western Hockey League moment yesterday. Oh, did you? First shift of the game, young 15-year-old kid Cameron Schmidt, Vancouver Giants top 10 pick, goes in, scores a beautiful goal. (laughs) Called the goal as if, faced it off at center ice. Oh, Giants no. a minute later score again. It's two nothing or so we thought. Well, the first goal they waved it off on an offside. Oh, he didn't know about it. Yeah, see, no. that was, it, it happens, man. It happens. It happens. I'm and, looking around the rink and seeing it's only one to nothing and wondering what's going on. Like, what did I miss? Oh, I've I've uh, I've done that signing off on Canucks games, getting the score wrong. I've done that quite a few times. Yeah, Canucks lose four one. It's like it, it was five two. Oh, <laughs> uh, but and and a, a very hearty Canuck Central congratulations to our man, uh, Fast Eddie Gregory, who is now the voice of the Vancouver Giants, and yeah. nice to see you call call the game too. So happy for you there. Thank you very much. It'll be fun. Looking forward to it. Yeah, man. should be a big season for the Giants, of course. Here on uh, Sportsnet 650, uh, you'll hear a lot of Eddie calling games on Sportsnet 650 through the course of the season. Uh, it is, uh, as you heard there from Rob Simpson, uh, a possibility. Quinn Hughes has been practicing on the right side, mm-hmm. and it's something they may look at. OEL and Quinn Hughes as the Canucks' top pair. Interesting. Uh, that would be, uh, maybe that's the way you get more out of OEL offensively. Yeah, potentially. Um, I mean, you could do the same thing, have OEL and Hughes on different pairs. Mm-hmm but have Hughes the right side? Because my only question comes down to, we can delve into this a bit more, we touched on it a little bit last week, but if you are playing Hughes on the right side, are you strong enough on the left side for somebody to play in the top four? And it, there's just two candidates, really. OEL. There's, well, yeah, OEL is one. Dermot, Dermot, Jack Rathbone. Rathbone, Danny DeKaiser, who's on a PTO. And DeKaiser, um, when he played, for the Red Wings last year, played with Moritz Sider. So did play, you know, top four minutes, but did not have great amounts of success while doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the biggest question. I, I, I don't know if they have somebody who can fill that better, but the calculus could be that we're better off with our mix with Hughes being on the right side and asking one of Dermot and Rathbone to do more as opposed to keeping Hughes on the left side and asking somebody on the right side to do more. And maybe that's how you get marginally better defensively. So a lot to uh, to digest. Bo Horvat speaking for the first time today since arriving back in Vancouver and ready for training camp. We're getting closer and closer to training camp beginning. That'll be next Friday in Whistler. First preseason game for the Canucks will be next Sunday, the 25th of September. We'll be back tomorrow with more thoughts on the Vancouver Canucks. We're on live at 4 o'clock on Sportsnet 650, but always on demand anytime, anywhere, via your favorite podcatcher, as always. Tonight, you know what would really be the big birthday present that I'm looking for? What's that? Russell Wilson just getting owned at Lumen Field. All right, so you want to see a Seahawks win. Let's go Hawks, baby. No, no, let's ride. Let's ride. Go Hawks, baby. <laughs> that video is so cringe. Of him Everything <laughs> with Russell Wilson now is cringe. That's very true. Uh, go Hawks, baby. Let's ride. No. No. Yeah, let's ride. <laughs> that was even worse.
Oh, okay. Uh, enough. Enough. Uh, for producer Eddie Gregory, my co-host Satyar Shah, I'm Dan Riccio. People Show is up next on Sportsnet 650.